This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Harbor Home. So honored to be with you in your homes as we gather together as friends and family, and with our neighbors, with one another in small groups uh, to engage with the Lord and with each other. It's a new season. We've been talking about this as God is calling us to come away with him. It's, it's a time where the winter has ended and a new season is springing forth. And God is saying, hey, I have an invitation for you. I want to have you come away with me. And we know that as we've looked into that, he's asking us to come away with him to his house, to his house. And he's prepared a table there for us in his house. A house in the Bible is not so much talking about a place as a reality that we now have access to. I mean, think of it this way, like all that was broken now in this world because of Jesus coming to the earth and bridging heaven and earth together uh, through his death and sacrifice on the cross, we now have access to the life that God, you know, is able to give. Life abundant, you know, where there's wholeness and healing and blessing and the kingdom of God flowing, his rule coming down into the earth and destroying everything that's broken. I love Isaiah 61. You've got to read that time and time again just to get it in your heart where Jesus says, man, he's anointed me. You know, to preach the gospel to the poor, those who are in need, those who are hungry, who are thirsty. They want something different. They don't want to live in the life that they've been. And he says he's given me the authority to give recovery of sight to the blind where we can see again, physically and spiritually. Where, you know, what was, you know, ruined in ashes now has become beautiful. Where there was mourning and depression, there's joy flowing. This is our access. He's asking us to come away with him to his house, to this reality, to where he lives, where he dwells, his presence, his character, his nature, his divine nature, and to come and eat with him of this beautiful feast that he sat before us. And so we're going to continue in our Come to the Table um, series as we look at what I'm titled Divine D- Dining with Diversity. And one of the things I, I really believe is God wants to bring people together into his house, and also beyond that, sit at a table together and eat of the good things of the Lord as one. Now we know from even this last year, we saw so much in the way of what was happening in in terms of racism and racial injustice and, and all of the pain and turmoil that sprung forth from that season, which by the way is is. It's not over. We need, to, we need to ask God to come and do something in our nation and in our city and in our world as it relates to the atrocities of, of, of these things and, and just say no more. No longer is this going to exist in our lifetime. But I think that starts not on a, a macro level but on a micro level as God puts people in our lives that are different than us, maybe different races, colors, nationalities, cultures, um, genders, people raised in different environments, you know, totally different upbringings. I think it's such a beautiful and profound thing 
that I think gives us the full perspective of God and who he is as we get the full perspective of his people. I think probably one of the greatest ways that I've grown over the years is my travel to the nations. Now over 33 nations Wendy and I have been to. And I think every time I go to a different country and experience a different people and a different you know, culture, different nation, different ethnos is what the Bible refers to it as, uh, ethnocentric people group. Man, I grow in my understanding and appreciation of God. It's a beautiful thing. So Jesus actually invites a diverse group into his life. Yes, they were Jews, but let me tell you, they were from totally different backgrounds. It had to start there first, and then you see actually them going out and touching the entirety of the nations that were on the planet at the time the early church was birthed. So God always had a global heart. In fact, he was always kind of bending the rules. The Jews never wanted to go outside of their boundaries. They didn't deal with the Samaritans. They for sure didn't you know, uh, deal with the Gentiles living outside of, of, of the nation. They wouldn't have anything to do with those people. And Jesus was always pushing the limits there because that's where his heart was. He had a, he had a heart for diversity. He had a heart to invite nations of the earth into his house. In fact, you remember the turning over the tables? The reason Jesus was so upset and righteously upset for that matter. I mean, there was no sin in his emotion. Is that all of this temple business took up space in what was called the court of the Gentiles. It's it's where the Gentiles were invited to come and to see, and to taste, and to experience the Lord. And here, their space was now crowded with money makers in the temple. Isn't that something? Think about that for a minute. What, what's crowding out uh, diverse people from coming into the kingdom right now, based on how the kingdom of God is operating in this moment, in this time? So Jesus is inviting diverse people, and he did with his disciples. Look at this in Luke chapter 22. We're going to read this beginning in verse 7. He says, Now the festival of the unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Verse 8, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal. Now look at this language. So that we can eat this together. We as a diverse group, which I'm going to cover in just a minute. It's going to blow your mind. So that we can sit around a table in my father's house and do this thing together. I don't know if, if I will ever settle for any mantra that says, well, you know, this group of people is going to do it this way. This group of people is going to do it that way. This people is going to do it over here. No, no, no. There is a heart that burns in the Lord for diversity to come together in his house, to sit at a table together in his house, to eat together as a diverse people and do this thing called the kingdom of God together. I love this. It's so profound. Everything is already set up for this, just like it was back then. Look at this. In verse 10, he replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? Can you believe this? Like All of this is set up. Jesus has like, I don't even know how he did this. This is amazing. And he, he says in verse 12, he will take you upstairs to a large room that's already set up. It's already prepared. It's not like we're having to figure out 
how in the world we're going to do this. We just need to follow what the Lord is saying. We need to be obedient to what he's telling us to do. And I believe that God is speaking to every single person, though you might have pain, though you may feel discomfortable, uh, uncomfortable, maybe, I don't know, it's, it's, it's scary a little bit. I, maybe this is un, very unfamiliar. I know that Jesus is calling you to get outside of your world and get into other people's worlds. One of the things that I do all the time when I'm with people, besides just talking myself, is I ask questions. And, and sometimes people are like, wow, uh, this whole time that we were together, all you did was talk to me, and next time I want to hear your story. But I actually am so intrigued. I'm so passionate about hearing people's stories. Because from their stories and the diversity of what they've experienced in life, I get to see the workings of God that now I can apply to my own heart. Verse 13, they went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. It's all there. It's all set up. We don't need anybody else. We don't need any, any, any outside forces, um, you know, exterior forces to the church to kind of get us into this space where we come together as diversity. It's all set up. It's already there. And verse 14 ends with, and we can't, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down at the table together. Wow. Who were these people? I think it's important for us to understand who we're looking at here, what the different personality types were like, what made the miracle of that diverse group of people and the unification that they came into in the Son of God. Twelve apostles, save one, Judas, ended up going on and out into all of the nations. The miracles. I remember, gosh, I think it was Doubting Thomas. I saw where he was buried in India. And they, they, were, they, they still to this day, imagine a Jewish man traveling to India to be around Hindu people. I mean... You know, everything's a God in Hinduism. I mean, Jewish, Jews were, were, were singular in their, they were, they were monolith, monolithic, I think it's called. You know, they believed in one God. And here, the, 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 the Hindus had millions of gods. Doubting Thomas goes to India and performs hundreds of miracles. One of the Indian guys that didn't even know Jesus told me that he had a bucket of water and in front of a village, he threw up the bucket of water and, and flower petals fell down. Who knows if that's true, but Indians, they, they really love beautiful floral things. If you've ever gone to an Indian wedding, it's, it's amazing. But this diverse group of people are being brought into unity with each other so they, they can go and touch diversity. We have no authority to go to any other place that's diverse, really, at the end of the day, unless we can come and engage in the diversity that's all around us. People that are different from us. People that didn't have the same likes or dislikes or, you know, any of those kind of things. So Peter and Andrew, they were b- brothers. Think, think of this. They were, they were blue-collar workers, just as blue-collar as you can get. Peter was a gregarious natural leader. He was actually the only married disciple at the time, so... You know, that was different for him, that he, he brought that difference to the table. He was an adrenaline junkie. He, he really was. He was that guy that would just say anything, do anything, make all the big promises. He was the only one 
that walked on water when Jesus was walking on water. But his brother was totally different than him. He wasn't a dominant, dominant personality. He was more of a relational guy. In fact, he was the one that introduced Peter to Jesus. Peter probably would have went in his own boldness and arrogance. Like, oh, I don't need to know that guy. Oh, you know. And his brother, who was a little more down to earth, you know, was like, no, listen, you need to meet this guy. He was a connector. Andrew was a connector. James and John, totally different than Peter and Andrew. They, they, were, they were brothers as well. Um, and they were sons of a prosperous business owner called Zebedee. His name was Zebedee. That was their dad. And so, you know, think, you know, ultra wealthy here a little bit. And, and compared to, you know, uh, uh, Peter and Andrew, I mean, Peter and Andrew were the bar fighters, you know, kind of guys. I mean, James and John, maybe, you know, white, white table dinner cloths, you know, uh, type of dining. I mean, these, it just was a completely different set of brothers. They were intense and filled with fervor. They were extremely ambitious. In fact, if you look at like some of the dialogue in the Bible, there's often this reference to who's going to be the greatest. I mean, these were these kind of guys. They were nicknamed the sons of thunder by Jesus because of this. They really wanted to make a mark on this world. And, and of course, we know that John was one of the closest, if not the closest to Jesus. And James would be the first disciple to be martyred for the faith. Incredible. Incredible. So he was a sacrificial guy. Though he had so much, he was willing to give all of it away, even his own life. In fact, he reflected the nature of the Lord in his loss of life as he said, Father, forgive them. Just like Jesus did on the cross for they don't know what they're doing. It got the attention of the Lord Jesus where Jesus stood up off that throne and peered down at this son that now had just become just like him with a heart for those that didn't know Jesus and were diverse and weren't in the same place as they were, so much so that it cost him his life. Philip, he was an unknown Old Testament scholar. So think back in the day, you know, the Bible was everything central to that culture. And he had given himself to the study of the Old Testament, but no one picked him up and made him his disciple for whatever reason. We don't know the reasoning, but Jesus did. Jesus called to him. Jesus saw something in him. And he wanted to make a difference in the lives of others, but was never mentioned really hardly at all. He was very obscure and, and uh, you know, he just wasn't picked up. He wasn't one of the famous Bible teachers of the day. So he lived an obscure life and, and almost kind of, I think, till he met Jesus, uh, resolved to live a normal life. Nathaniel, Bartholomew is another name for him. Very judgmental. So think uh, racist, think bias, think, uh, you know, he, he really had uh, critical thoughts against other people. In fact, he was the one that said, hey, can anything good come from Nazareth? He had a real bias against people from Nazareth, who, who one of them was Jesus himself. Think about that. And Jesus still invited him to the table, knowing that Nathaniel was, was, was not even favorable for, for him or anybody else from his village. Matthew, this one is really interesting. A hated tax collector. You know, he was ambitious to make a dollar, even if, it, if he had to break moral code to do it. He had, he had partnered with the enemy. Think of like what you hate the most, and here this guy is working for that, that, that individual or that, that system. This is who Matthew was. He didn't really care what other people thought of him, he was out for himself. Thomas, he was a sibling of a twin. 
He was a skeptic who was pessimistic, mystic, sorry, tongue twister there. I think, think like Debbie Downer. Like, I mean, just gosh, could you imagine like doing life with Thomas at the beginning? I mean, like, oh my gosh, you know, are we really going to do that? It's, and, he, you know, just everything was a negative. This is where this guy was at. While at the same time, it's weird. On the inside, he was a seeker. He would ask the, the Lord, show us the way. We don't know where you're going. Yet I want to know, but we don't know. He, was, he wasn't super perceptive. Um, but at least he had a heart to know. James, uh, he was the brother of Jesus, uh, but nicknamed James the Less. So maybe in some ways he uh, lived in the shadow of Jesus. He was more of a wallflower. He was uh, very unnoticed and and didn't really stack up compared to the rest of the disciples. They probably just thought, well, James is only here because he's Jesus' brother, and that's probably the only reason he got the invitation. Simon, really interesting political activist, conspiracy theorist to the max. A zealot, fiercely loyal, passionate, courageous, um, probably to a fault. But, you know, think almost like terrorist group kind of guy. I mean, this is, this is who, who Simon was. Jude, not a, not a lot about Jude, an ex- obscure introvert. And then Judas Iscariot. Actually, he was probably the guy that if anyone was going to pick to be the most successful, it would have been him. He was a detailed guy. He wanted all the T's crossed, all the I's dotted, um, he wanted to be in control of the situation and make sure that it, that it happened. Um, he really believed in what he was doing that, and, and what he was giving himself to was the best. In fact, this is what got him in trouble. He, you know, when, he, when he wasn't seeing Jesus going the way that he expected, he kind of took the reins and kind of made it happen himself. So I think you're seeing here that these guys that sat around a table together that was already set up for them. Jesus had it all planned out so that they could eat together, so that they could dine together in their diversity, so that they could go and touch the nations. You guys know the story of when they were fishing all night and hadn't caught anything, and then Jesus said, hey, you're fishing on the wrong side of the boat, cast it over, and they pulled up this harvest of fish. And I can't remember the exact number, but when they pulled it out, the, the Bible actually speaks of the number of fish that, that were caught. And they were all different types of fish. And they were actually the exact same number of the number of nations that were represented on the world in the world at the time. It's like, it's all here. There's diversity in you. We're going to bring you together. And there's diversity that needs to be reached. So here's my questions for you as we wrap this up. Which disciple do you most identify with? If, if you're like, dude, I could hang out with that guy, you know? I totally get that guy. Like, who would that be? Uh, for me, probably Peter is, is someone that I, I really identify with. In fact, one of my most profound encounters in Israel was sitting where, on the seashore where Peter was forgiven, you know, for making all of his promises that he couldn't keep in his own strength. I got wrecked there. How about this question? What personality type do you find the most difficult to love? This is going a little deeper here, but I want you just to consider and have courage and and go there a little bit. What keeps you from fully giving your heart to seeing unity among diversity? It's a heavy question, but I believe it's one that the Lord wants us to answer. As we leave the 99 of the world, you know, we can't, we can't do anything about what's going on in the world. But for those that are here at Harbor, 
call this family, call this home, we can do something. And we can push past our fears and our pains and our fears. And we may identify with a certain disciple. We may have an adversity to a different type of one that, that we see reflected here in the twelve. But now we're going to take some efforts. This is the last thing I want you to answer. What are you going to do in 2021 right now, starting today, to begin to unify in the Father's house around a table with people that are different than you? Listen, this is what it's all about. I pray grace over your time of conversation today. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.